0: All right. Well, again, welcome to New Life Church this morning. If you are new here or fairly new here, my name is Jeremy Smith, senior pastor of this church, and so thankful uh, to be able to lead and shepherd this church with other uh, pastors and staff and elders in this congregation. And uh, we are honored and thankful that you are with us today. Here at New Life Church, we aim to make Jesus the center of our life, our church, and our community. And uh, with that, we want to draw your attention today to the Word. Um, open your Bibles with me, or you can also uh, follow along on the screen behind me to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 15. To the Gospel of Luke, chapter 15. We're actually going to be looking at the story of the prodigal son as we uh, continue our Christmas series called Christmas at the Movies, which is one reason we have popcorn, because movie theaters, or at least good movie theaters, have good popcorn. And, uh, and so uh, popcorn drinks and uh, a message from several of the classic Christmas movies uh, that have been out there and that are out there that all kind of, if you look at them in a a special way, they all can point us uh, to the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ, or at least that's the message we're taking away from it. Last week we looked at The Grinch and uh, how uh, the message was called Changing Hearts and how there's hope for all of us to have hearts that can be changed no matter what's going on. And today we're going to look at another movie, cl- Christmas classic, uh, Home Alone. Uh, we're going to look at Home Alone. Anybody seen Home Alone? Most uh, everybody, uh, a lot of folks have seen Home Alone. But last week I, I want to I highlight again um, in, in the beginning of our, what a way to start our Christmas series last week. We, had, we baptized nine young people last Sunday we baptized nine young people. Yeah, you can clap. You can be excited. Uh, that is, that, those are nine souls, nine lives who have committed their life to follow Jesus. And, um, and so what a, what a way to begin this Christmas season, uh, being able to witness that and celebrate those new lives and those new beginnings. And today I mentioned Home Alone. And, and, and we're going to look at this uh, particular movie in a way and see how this movie can portray Uh, The love of Christ and how the love of Christ creates a safe space for us to experience forgiveness and freedom. It's something every human soul wants to taste, wants to experience, is forgiveness and freedom. Well, if you kind of are familiar with the movie, I love how this movie begins. It's got the hustle and bustle of, of the McAllister family uh, immediate family, extended family, all gathered together in their home, and they're running around like crazy. Pizza's been ordered. Uh, they're preparing for a trip, and um, and they're just you know hanging out, doing their thing, and, and excited about Christmas, excited about going somewhere, um, and all these different things are happening. I, I love the Christmas music that's, that plays throughout the movie. I love laughing, of course, at Kevin's home protection plan and uh, how how his new security uh, service goes into operation to take, help keep him one step ahead of the wet bandits, uh, Marv and Harry. And, uh, and so anyway, it's pretty much on lots of TV channels right now, playing nonstop. A lot of us may own the movie, stream the movie. Uh, but this movie kind of has, has a parallel, if you look at it closely, um, to tell us about the Christmas story. And, uh, and about what the life of Jesus is really all about. How the love of God makes a way home for every single one of us. Uh, how His love is there for the broken. His love is there for the shattered to be cared for. The love of Christ is there for the separated and the spiritually lost to be forgiven, to be free, to be found. How there is in the love of God, how he has love for us who may be anxious, uh, who may be depressed or grieving uh, at different times, especially this season, and how he can help bring us comfort and help bring us peace. And so we're going to look at the Gospel of Luke, chapter 15, the story of the prodigal son today, and a message I've titled, At Home, I'm Forgiven and Free. And again, thank you, Lauren, for your beautiful poem from your heart that you wrote. Thank you for sharing your gift with us this season. We certainly appreciate that. Let's look at the beginning of this story. It's Luke 15, verse 11. It says, to illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. He said, a man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. And a few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money in wild living. Or other translations would say were in prodigal living. And about this time, about the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him. And the man sent him into the fields... To feed the pigs, and the young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him. But no one gave him anything. So the beginning of this story, he got what he asked for. Kevin got what he asked for in the movie. They both got what they asked for. Kevin ends up being left home alone, and if you remember the movie, kind of in the beginning scenes, he's jumping up and down. Uh, on the second floor, and he's yelling, when, he, when I'm older, I'm living alone. I'm living alone. I'm living alone. And then a little bit later, it's, it shows him saying, I hope I never see any of you jerks again. It's pretty, pretty stout. Pretty stout. Well, Kevin got what he asked for. This young prodigal son got what he asked for. He wanted his inheritance, and he wanted it now. And he took it and spent everything he had. Kevin was home alone. He was, didn't have friends. He didn't have his family. Uh, he could do what he wanted to do. It shows him eating junk food, ice cream, staying up late, watching movies he shouldn't be watching, doing things he shouldn't be doing like sledding down the stairs, out the front door, um, putting on aftershave because he's way too young for that, and he figures out how much that can burn. Uh, staying up late, sleeping in his be- in beds that aren't his in the house, going through other people's stuff, doing all the things he wanted to do. The young prodigal son, doing what he wanted to do, had all the kinds of inheritance given to him, but he goes out and he spends it all and he wastes it all and he uses everything he has. He's alone. He has nobody. and so No one will give him anything in exchange for what he's longing for. They both got what they wanted, Kevin got what he wanted, this young prodigal son got what he wanted, but it was not what they thought it would be. How many many times or how often in our life have we asked for something, demanded something, and and, and fought to have something, but after we got it, we realized, wow, this is really not what it was cracked up to be. What I thought I needed was really not what, what it was supposed to be, or really what I wanted was not what I actually needed. We all have times in our life like that. We all experience situations like that. And what we want is not always what we need. Well, Kevin eventually is feeling lonely. He's all by himself. He feels somewhat sorry for what he said to his family, and he longed for everybody to come home. This young prodigal son had gotten to a place where he was feeling really low, feeling down. Feeling alone uh, and realizing what he received and what he got was really not what he thought it was supposed to be. It was a lot different. He had nowhere to go, no one to turn to, no one to give him any comfort, no one to give him any kind of affection or encouragement. All he had was mud and the pods that the pigs were eating. I was pretty low, pretty low place in life. Um, But then they, they come to a place. What we're going to go to here in a minute. And their way to peace, their their way to forgiveness was somewhat determined by their view, by their perspective about some things. And our way to peace, our way to forgiveness, our way to freedom and what our hearts long for can be found in our view of Jesus and who he is can look at Jesus as crisis Jesus, or we can, also, we can look at Jesus as Christmas Jesus. Crisis Jesus, when we look at Jesus in the crisis mode, is, is just that. He is there just to fix our problems. We go to him only when we have things going wrong. We, we, we only call on the name of Jesus when everything in our life is bad. And we certainly should. He, that's, that's why he's there, to rescue, absolutely. But he's not just crisis Jesus. He's not just someone we we should look to or talk to or draw near to just when life sucks, if I could say it that way. But there's Christmas Jesus, the one that was prophesied about 700 years before his coming, that was the angel came to Mary and to Joseph and told them what was going to happen, the child they were going to have. You are to name him Jesus because he will save people from their sins. Jesus doesn't just fix, but Jesus saves people, saves us from our trespasses, saves us from our mess, saves us from our bankrupt souls, saves us from our sins that separate us from God. But he's also, not only is he Savior, but it was also said that you are to name him Jesus, for he is Emmanuel, God With us. This Christmas Jesus, wrapped, born in a manger, wrapped snugly in cloths, waiting for the world to unwrap him and welcome him into their life, is someone who wants to be very real and someone who wants to be very personal. See, Jesus is not just some figurine in the nativity scene. He's not just some figurine that that we put out once a year for a few weeks and talk about. No, Jesus is, Christmas Jesus is someone to be unwrapped and welcome into our life for every day. Because he only, he he also saves us from our sin, but he is also Emmanuel. He is God with us us so in our low points in our despairing days and in our times of disappointment in our problems yes he is there to help he is there to fix he is there to rescue but he is there to walk with us he is there to hold us he is there to keep us he is there to be our peace he is there to be our forgiver he is there to be our deliverer. and he's not just someone we call on in crisis mode but he is someone that we walk with and talk with and have relationship with and vice versa, him with us every day. Oh, that we would know this Jesus, not as crisis, but we would know him as Christmas, how he warms our life, how he fills our life, how he is that gift that does not disappoint. That gift really what our souls long for and hope to get, that when we open him, when we unwrap him, and we welcome him into our life, he's not just someone we'll play with and and entertain for just a week or two during the Christmas season and into the new year. He's someone that will be with us every day of our life who will fill our life, who will warm our heart, who will give us hope, who will bring us peace, who will be the joy in our life. He will be the one who will wipe away every guilty stain. He will be the one to lift us up when we are down. He's not just crisis, he's Christmas. And our view of that, and our view of him, and how we view him will determine the kind of peace and forgiveness and freedom we will experience in our life. Let's look at the next part of this story. Verse 17, it says, when this prodigal son finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, can you say at home? At home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. Say, I will go home. Say, home. Say, I will go home to my father and I'll say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father. Say, home, one more time. He returned home to his father. Not only did he get what he asked for, but now... He came to his senses. Kevin and this young prodigal son, Kevin in the movie Home Alone, they both came to their senses. They both experienced all the things they could experience from being alone, from being separated from family, having no friends around, no one trusted in their life, no one who could help them. And they were both tired of being in this place and this disposition that they were in. And right in the middle of this movie, we're going to watch a scene here in a second. Right in the middle of this movie, there's this scene. I'm going to set this scene up. In ch- uh, Kevin goes to the church, and there he finds his next-door neighbor, old man Marley, that everybody has made up so many stories about that are just not true. And they have this exchange in church and you hear the choir practicing behind, in the scene, behind the scene, and they have this conversation. And this scene shows how the church is a refuge from the brokenness in this world. It's described as a place where everyone is welcome. It, 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 it offers refreshment to the weary, grace to the beaten down, and peace to the restless. And for Kevin and his neighbor... It actually is a place where a friendship is formed and where a conversation with one another encourages and edifies each other. So the church is not supposed to just be some boring place, but the church is supposed to be made up of people who are all about trying to make Jesus the center of their life and in so doing can find the peace they need can find the grace that's offered, can find a refreshment for their soul, and can be the kind of people who can foster encouragement and edification for other people who are looking for the same thing. Let's take a look at this scene.
1: Merry Christmas. I sit down? That's my granddaughter up there. The little red-haired girl. She's about your age. You know her? No. You live next to me, don't you? Yeah. You can say hello when you see me. You don't have to be afraid. There's a lot of things going around about me, but none of it's true, okay? Been a good boy this year? I think so. Swear to it? No. Yeah, I had a feeling. Well, this is the place to be, if you're feeling bad about yourself. It is? I think so.
2: Are you feeling bad about yourself? No. I'm in kind of a pain lately. I said some things I shouldn't have. I really haven't been too good this year. Yeah. I'm kind of upset about it because I really like my family. Even though sometimes I say I don't. Sometimes I even think I don't. Do you get that?
1: I think so. How you feel about your family is a complicated thing.
2: Especially with an older brother.
1: Deep down, you always love them. But you didn't forget that you love him. And you can hurt them, and they can hurt you. And that's not just because you're young. You want to know the real reason why I'm here right now? Sure. came to hear my granddaughter sing. And I can't come and hear her tonight.
2: You have plans? No. I'm not welcome. At church?
1: Oh, you're always welcome to church. I'm not welcome with my son. Years back... Before you and your family moved on the block, I had an argument with my son.
2: How old is he?
1: He's grown up. We lost our tempers. And I said I didn't care to see him anymore. He said the same. We haven't spoken to each other since.
2: If you miss him, why don't you call him?
1: I'm afraid if I call him, he won't talk to me.
2: How do you know?
1: I don't know. I'm just afraid he won't.
2: No offense, but aren't you a little old to be afraid?
1: You can be a little old for a lot of things. You're never too old to be afraid.
2: That's true. I've always been afraid of our basement. It's dark, there's weird stuff down there, and it smells funny, that sort of thing. It's bothered me for years.
1: The basements are like that.
2: Then I made myself go down there to do some laundry, and I found out it's not so bad. All this time I've been worrying about it, but if you turn on the lights, it's no big deal. What's your point? My point is, you should call your son.
1: What if he won't talk to me?
2: If you will know. Then you can stop worrying about it, and he won't have to be afraid anymore. I don't care how mad I was, i talked to my dad, especially around the holidays. I don't know. Just give it a shot, for your granddaughter anyway. I'm sure she misses you, and the presents.
1: I sent her a check.
2: Wish my grandparents said that? They always send me clothes. Last year, I got a sweater with a big burr knitted on it.
1: Oh, that's nice.
2: Not for a guy in the second grade. You can get beat up for wearing something like that. Oh? Yeah. I have a friend who got nailed because there was a room where he wore dinosaur pajamas.
1: You better run along home where you belong. You think about what I said, all right? Okay. It's nice talking to you.
0: Nice talking to you. You better run along home where you belong. Isn't that... I've always found that interesting, that scene. Right in the middle of the chaos and the shenanigans of this movie. That it's this solemn, sacred moment that kind of reorients the entire process of life and how we can find and come to our senses so that we know which way to go. This prodigal son finally found which way to go. Kevin found what to do. They both came to their senses. Kevin had kind of thought, you know, he thought maybe I'm just some forgotten home protection provider for my family. This young son, this young prodigal thought he was just only good enough to go home and be a hired servant. Now, that has some meaning behind it in the culture of that time. There's actually three levels of of servant. There's a bond servant. And a bond servant was someone who was really almost like family, and they were included in many of the family affairs. They exchanged conversation. They, were, they would sit in on some of the decisions that were made. They were a part of some of the things that were happening in the household at the time. But then there was also just the middle grade, what is just a servant at that time. There was someone who did most of the work around the place and they were loosely affiliated with the family. But then there's this hired servant, this, this young prodigal son thought, this is all he can be. I've messed everything up. I don't deserve anything. I'm hungry. I'm starving. I need a place to lay down. I'll just go home and I'll tell my father that I'm sorry and that if he will just make me a hired servant. A hired servant is someone, it's, it's the lowest of the lows. They were paid by the day, but they could also be fired for absolutely no reason whatsoever. No attachment to the family, nothing to that nature No relationship at all with the family. And so this young prodigal son thought, man, if I could just be a hired servant, I'll be fine. I'll have some food. I'll have a place to sleep. I don't have to know what's going on with my dad. I don't have to know what's going on with the family. I just need to get my stomach filled, and I need to get my, uh, my body a break, and I got to stop being around all these filthy pigs, and I just got to have something like that. And so at least I can be a hired servant. That's what I'll do. I'll go home, and at home I can just be a hired servant servant. Kevin and this young prodigal son have something in common. They, they came to their senses and they at least came to the place of knowing which direction to go, which leads us to this last part of the story, or at least where we're going to end the story today. Verse 20, and so he returned home to his father, it says, and while he was still a long way off, His father saw him coming, filled with love and compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Quick, get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. And while you're at it, kill the calf that we have been fattening, because we must celebrate with a feast or party, for this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. And so the party began. Kevin's family, you're going to see here in a minute in this closing scene, how His family finally made it back home for Christmas, on Christmas. This young son, this young prodigal son was welcomed back home to his father. They both experience a love that offered them forgiveness and freedom. Let's take a look at this closing scene. Christmas, sweetheart. Oh, Kevin, I'm so sorry.
2: Everybody else. Oh, baby, they couldn't come. They wanted to so much. No, I didn't fall asleep oh. in cabin, so oh. Fine,
0: oh. Fine. Oh. You, no, you Ah, no, oh, you oh. you're all right. I love you. You okay? Be careful pretty cool that you didn't burn the place down.
2: <laughs> Thanks, Buzz.
0: Wait a minute. How did you guys get home?
2: Oh, we took the morning flight, remember? The one you
0: didn't want to wait for? Oh, no. <laughs> oh, oh no. thank Merry you. Christ- Merry Christmas. Okay.
2: Well, someone has to find an open store. We don't even have milk here. I went shopping yesterday.
0: You shopping?
2: I got the milk, eggs, and fabric softener. No kidding, what a funny guy. What else did you do while we were away? Just hung around. (laughs) You (laughs) guys, put your step upstairs. Are you in shopping? He doesn't
0: know how to tie his shoe. Hey, what's this? Do you see how this story goes? Kevin finally experiences what his heart longed for. He did not want to actually be alone. He actually wanted to be surrounded by his family and newfound friend, his next door neighbor, and how his neighbor found forgiveness and freedom as well with his family. And in this story, the prodigal son, actually, he did not want what he thought he wanted. He thought he wanted to go away. He thought he wanted to give life himself and do it his his way, live it his way, make his own decisions, nobody telling him what to do. And then he finds that's really not what he had hoped for because he was separated alone, not around friends, not around family. But he comes home and he finds a different experience than what he thought he deserved. And you know, oftentimes... That's the way it works. What we think we deserve is really God gives us so much more. God loves us in such greater ways than we think we are deserving. God honors us in ways, in a, in a greater way than we think we should have. God blesses us in ways where we don't think we should have. And the other side of this story, which we're not going into is the, is the, is the older son in this story. Just quickly how that particular side, he thought he was entitled to everything. And he became jealous and envious and bitter because his younger son, his younger brother, got all the things that he thought he should have had because he stayed home. So wherever we are this season, let's take it to heart what this father did. In this story, it's God, the father, said he ran... To the son. He saw him coming home and he ran out to meet him. You know, just the slightest move we make towards God, God will move very quickly towards us. He is not slow when we are moving towards Him. This father embraced him. How God embraces us in our filthiness, in our messy condition. This son was coming home filthy from the pigsty smelly, nasty, dirty, in a mess. And the father embraces him. God embraces us right where we are. And it said the father kissed him. He didn't care what he smelled like. He didn't care what he looked like. He was not interested in his prepared speech. All that he wanted was his son to be back home where he belonged. And he showed that to his son and he embraced him and he kissed him. God kisses our life with forgiveness. Yeah, truth be told, we don't deserve it, but because of Jesus and because he gave his life, because he came and he was born and he lived a sinless life on this earth and he's at the right hand of God now, we, when we go to him, when we make a move towards him, when we yield our life to him when we give him our heart, he embraces us and he kisses our life with forgiveness and he makes all things new. Then the father gave Father said, hey, bring the family robe and put this robe around my son. For us, that means he came home in rags, came home torn, but now he was clothed in right standing with God. God makes us in right standing with him through Jesus. Then he said, hey, put the family ring on him, the ring He came home nameless, came home without identity, but now he bears the name of this family once again. God names us his children. We may be nameless in this world. We may be faceless to a lot of people, but there's one thing for sure. God never forgets a name and God never forgets a face. He will put you where you belong. And he said to this father, said, quick, put these family sandals on him he came home barefoot with no place to belong unsure if he even would fit in and with you and me God makes us stand as his children as a son and as a daughter of God today if you're having a hard time believing and wondering do you deserve the love of God do you fit do you belong is there a place for you God wants you to know today in this season beyond a shadow of a doubt he sees you if you make one slightest move to him he's going to be so quick so fast to get to you to hug you to embrace you to forgive you and to put you where you belong and to wrap you in righteousness to make you fit and stand as a child of God and you will belong in his arms and that is where you belong. And then he said, hey, the father said, get the, get the food ready. We're about to throw down. We're about to have a party because my son who was dead is, is alive again. My son who was lost has been found and has come back home. It is time to throw down. It is time to celebrate. This son came home starved, but now the father made a way for him to be able to sit at the table as one of the own, as one of his own family. He didn't hold it against him. Today, if you're wondering, will God hold it all against you? Will he, will he bring up your past and say, Look, this is how awful your life was? Look at the decisions you've made. No, that's what the enemy does, that's what the devil does. He's the accuser of us, but God wipes it all away. When you make a move towards God and you are sincere in your direction with Him, He has such a way of removing all the heaviness, He has such a way of removing all the burden of our mistakes and all the burdens of our sins. And He makes everything brand new again, and He puts you where you belong. You have a place at the table as a a family, as a son, as a daughter, you have a place at the table. Will you stand with me today if you're able to? I think we might watch Home Alone in a little bit different perspective now. Sure, it's a fun movie. It's good to laugh and watch Marvin Harry get their butt kicked by a little 10-year-old But we all find ourselves in place of wandering sometimes and wondering. Wandering to try to find our place. Wandering, try to find our own step. Trying to find that path. And wondering, do I have what it takes? Wondering, am I going in the right direction? Wondering, do people really see me? Do people really know me? people hear me. And based on those answers and those perspectives kind of determines what we do with our life. And today in this season of Christmas, God wants you to know you'll never be happy and satisfied. You'll never truly be fulfilled. You'll never truly be at peace until you're at home where you belong and there may be people in your life that have wounded you people that have maybe taken advantage of you people that have hurt you in different ways let me just tell you this nothing is worth holding on to for offense and bitterness and anger towards others I would implore you, do all you can to let forgiveness flow in your life towards others because the Lord teaches us that as he wants to forgive us, we are also called to forgive others. And I would just encourage you in this season, let it go and give it to God and let God go to work on your behalf because you and I can't change other people just like other people can't change you or me. But I do know this, that when we yield our life to the Lord, we turn to Him, He has a way of changing us and changing our view. And our view is, He's not just crisis, Jesus. He is Christmas, Jesus. Unwrap Him. Welcome Him into your life and let Him fill you and complete you because that's what he longs to do. Will you bow your heads with me today? Father God, we thank you for today. We thank you for this moment. We thank you for this time that we have, Lord, to be reminded of what is most important, got just about three weeks to go until the big day of Christmas. But Lord, this whole season is a build up daily and weekly to remind us of what is important. So Lord, I pray you would help each and every one of us, God, today, wherever we might be. That if there's anyone, Lord, who feels far from you, distant, separated, separated, from you and maybe from people that are important in their life, that, Lord, you would help us to turn to you and come to our senses and let you fill our life and let you change our hearts. May we each one of us experience the love you have for us to know that where we belong is at home with you, And at home with you, we can find forgiveness and we can find the freedom that our souls long for. So if there's anyone, Lord, here today that feels trapped and feels held like a prisoner in their own soul, today I pray we would turn to you and let you unlock our hearts and free us and forgive us and love us. And in return, we would go and do likewise. To those in our life. Fill us fresh anew with this story. Fill us fresh and anew with your spirit. We thank you for that today. In Jesus' name, amen.